Hello, this sermon audio is a ministry of the Town Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you would like to learn more about us, how to connect, or how to support us, go to our website, thetownchurch.org. While listening to the Bible preached is a healthy part of our spiritual formation, it is not the whole picture. So if you aren't a part of a local church, we encourage you to prayerfully commit to a local body of believers where you live. We're glad you can join us, and we hope God uses the following sermon to reveal more of His glory to you. Well, good morning. My name is Vince. I'm one of the elders here. Um, uh, last week, uh, you, you noticed something different about me. Last week, I had a mustache, and I got so much um, positive feedback about that that uh, I decided I can't go with the flow of your uh, praise and approval, and so I had to get rid of it. It was uh, just going to my head, so I had to get rid of it. Um, we are in the season of Advent, so it's a, it's a beautiful um, celebration for us as a church. Um, last week was the first week where we, we began our celebration of Advent, and here's what Advent is. If, you, if you're unfamiliar with it, that's fine. Um, we'll work through, through that uh, for you. Advent is a traditional celebration in the church during the four weeks leading up to Christmas, so it's a, it's a push toward uh, the day of Christmas. It, it comes from a Latin word, which I won't try to pronounce, and I was corrected about last week about the, the meaning of it. It comes from a Latin word meaning coming, right? So it, it means co- uh, coming. So, so what is the celebration, right? So let, let's talk about what the celebration is. It, it's a celebration of the coming of Jesus, Right. And, and, and in that celebration, there's this double meaning, isn't there? Because there's a, a celebration of Jesus coming to earth as a baby. Right. So we we celebrate that born of the Virgin Mary. So we celebrate that. But this side of the cross, this side of the resurrection, this side of the ascension, we also wait for. We also long for. We also um, are, are, are longing for the second coming of Jesus because he is returning. He is returning, and so the celebration of Advent is this double meaning that, yes, we celebrate what he did when he came as a baby, but we're also celebrating with that great expectation and with the great hope and with great joy the second coming of our Savior. Jesus is returning. And so as a church, we put into practice the celebration of Advent, taking some time in these weeks leading up to Christmas to celebrate these things. It's a part of our our liturgy. Maybe that's a word that's unfamiliar to you as well. We discussed this last week. We won't get into to much detail because of that. But, but again, a, a liturgy, and I'm taking a lot of this from an author, James Smith, where uh, uh, he says a liturgy is a set of practices. It's a, sh- it's a set of shapes that, that forms and shapes our, our loves and our desires. So it's a set of practices that shape and form our desires and our loves. And you all know this as well as I do, that the world around us is handing us a liturgy during this season, aren't they? That they're putting into place for us a set of practices that are shaping our loves. They're shaping our desires. And we want to see good in that. We want to see the good that's there. But we as a church want to put in front of us a liturgy that will shape and inform our loves and desires culminating in Jesus, finding their end in Jesus, finding their their worship in Jesus. Does that make sense? 
And so, again, like we said last week, one of the greatest ways that we express our worship, one of the greatest ways we express our loves and our desires, finding their final end in Jesus, is through singing. It is through rejoicing in song. We rejoice, we celebrate, we communicate our loves and the meeting of our desires through singing. And so in these weeks leading up to Christmas, these weeks of Advent, here's what we have planned to do. We've planned to just walk through some of the songs that we sing so often. We we are looking at some of the well-known songs that we sing around Christmas. So many of these songs that we sing are are so are, are so packed full of deep theological meaning, but 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 we don't often hear that because they've become familiar to us, right? So we're walking through Target and we hear them, but they don't really mean a lot because we've heard them so much. And so here's what we want to do: we want to slow down. We want to rest and shape and form our desires and our loves. And so this week we get to walk through a, a very familiar song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. So I want to I wanna help us learn a little bit about the song, and then I want to look at one of the prevailing themes in the song, and we're going to end our time together this morning by singing that song t- together, all right? So let me, let me walk through some of what the song is about and where we, where we get the song. Really, the origins of this song are unknown. They're unknown, right? So this is going to be a short sermon, right? No. Um, they're unknown. Uh, it's said that a monk wrote the song in the 800s. So listen, nearly 1,200 years ago. So think about that. We're singing a song that thousands, millions of people have sung for over a thousand years. The the ninth century was was a a, a part of a a difficult era in history. It it wasn't known for for its its beautiful, beautiful things, often called the Dark Ages. Often called the Dark Ages, we don't know a whole lot about it. It was the time after the Roman Empire, and it was the time right before the Italian Renaissance, a time of great discovery, is right right before that. And during the Dark Ages, the Bible was not widely accessible to people. It wasn't widely spread, it wasn't widely accessible to people. But we can see in this song that we're about to walk through that a monk who the, the monk who wrote the song must have had a deep understanding of the scriptures. He must have had. The original song has seven verses, maybe more. There are a lot of verses that have been passed around, each of them showing the great wealth of insight into the prophecies of the Old Testament, speaking of the coming Messiah. In the 19th century, there was an Anglican priest by the name of John Mason Neal. Neil was a brilliant man. He was a brilliant man, a student at Cambridge. Uh, the man knew nearly 20 languages, could speak them and write them. And those in power in the Anglican church, uh, they just didn't know what to do with him, right? So I, I get it. You're, you're, right now you're thinking, man, he's a lot like Vince in that way. So, so they, um, I, I understand. Just look past that for a second, all right? He is a brilliant man, uh, um, and, and the Anglican church just didn't know what to do with him. He was too smart for his own good. And so the only thing they could think to do with him was to, to send him out to an island off the, the west coast of Africa to, to be a, a part of a church there. But listen, that did not discourage Neil from loving and caring for those around him. He started an orphanage. He, he started a school for girls. He started a rehab ministry for prostitutes. And, and it was during his labor in West Africa that he found an ancient book 
of Latin hymns, and he did what you and I would do when we find an ancient book of Latin hymns. He began to read them. And so he began to read them, and one of the hymns that he found in this book had been put to a tune composed by a 15th century Franciscan monk in Portugal. All these details are about to come around and, and, and point us to something. That hymn was, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. John Mason Neal translated the hymn from Latin into English, and the song gained in, in popularity then. It, it, it spread back to England, right? Stick it to the Anglican church. I'll just spread that back to England, right? And then it spread into America. And so let, let me, I want us to catch this. This is a song that was probably started, probably had its origins in, 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 in chants from, from monks in the, in the ninth century. Ne- nearly 1200 years ago, starting as a chanted sort of song by monks, later to be found by an outcast Anglican priest in Africa, uh, translated from Latin into English, sung to the tune uh, arranged in Portugal, And now we in Fort Collins are the grateful recipients of a beautiful song proclaiming the excellencies of God's great plan to send His Son, Emmanuel. So do you see the flow of how God has has worked out these things that that we get to sing now of of the beautiful Messiah, Jesus? And so I want to read through the lyrics of the song, and then then I want us to focus our time together shaping and forming our, uh, our love of the Messiah, of Jesus. The, the theme we'll look at this morning is this. It's, it's really simple. The, the theme we'll look at this morning is how the coming of Jesus releases us from the captivity of sin and, uh, and the enemy Satan. The coming of Jesus releases us from the captivity of sin and the enemy Satan. We can't take that lightly, friends. That, that Jesus came, that is what we're celebrating over these weeks, that Jesus came, yes, born of a virgin as a baby into a, a dark world, into a dark world that would later become the, the Dark Ages and then later be to, to an outcast I, island off of Africa and then from Portugal and back to, it's a dark place. He was sent here and, and we are released from the captivity of sin because of Jesus. So let me read through the lyrics. I, I won't sing them. Let me read through the lyrics, um, and, and then we'll jump right in. They're printed there for you. I'll also have them up here. It says this, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. O come, O come, thou rod of Jesse, Free thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people you will save and give them victory o'er the grave. O come, O come, thou King of David, come and open wide your heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads us on high and close the path of misery, O light. And then the chorus after each verse. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. The original song has several more verses. Read them sometime. Look, look them up. They're, they're beautiful. And, and each verse starts with this plea to come. This plea to come. And, he, and each plea is directed to Jesus, but with a different name. 
Each verse begins with a different name. Oh, oh, come, Emmanuel. Oh, come, wisdom from on high. Oh, come, Lord of might. Oh, come, rod of Jesse. Oh, come, king of David. Oh, come, day spring on high. Oh, come, desire of nations. Oh, come, oh, come, oh, come. And so do you see the plea there? Oh, come, Lord Jesus. Oh, come, Emmanuel. Now, why would that be the plea? Why, why would that be the request of the people? Why would we be crying out, out in that way? Why would we be crying like that? Why? Have you thought, thought about that before? Why would we come? Why would we plead, come? Come, Lord Jesus. Oh, come, oh, come. Implicit in that, implicit in that request, in that word, is a desire to be near someone else, isn't there? There's a desire to be near. In speaking the word, come, you are inviting someone to be near you. It's a calling, it's a beckoning to be near. Come here, I need your help. Come here, come quickly, the time is now. Come. I know you all like dictionary definitions. So here's the Oxford dictionary definition. Alright, so here it is. Come is a word that means to move or travel toward or into a place thought of as near or familiar to the speaker. Near to the one who's calling out come. And so put that in the context of the song. The singer is pleading for Emmanuel. He's pleading, come be near me. Come be in a familiar place, be near me. Jesus, move toward me. Move in my direction. Move to be near me, to be familiar with me. And isn't that exactly what was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then later, hundreds of years later, an angel tells Joseph the same thing, fulfilling prophecy in Matthew chapter 1. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means, Matthew tells us, which means God with us. It means God with us. And so over and over and over in the song, the singer pleads, come, come be with us. You, you said that you were going to be the one, the God who is with us. So come, and come, come be with us. Be in a familiar place. Why? Why? If you notice in the, the verses that, that are printed there in the bulletin, the song is actually a, a dark and gloomy song. It's actually a really dark song. In fact, in almost every verse of the song, there's this, there's this dark turn. There's a really dark turn. Even the tune itself, which we'll sing later, you'll, you'll notice, you'll feel this somber tone to it, right? And if I knew anything about music at all, I'd explain why it sounds that way, but I don't, right? It's a minor key or I don't know something, right? So, so it has this dark and somber way about the song. The verses we will sing later, we'll, you'll see that. You'll, you'll see this dark, this dark tune and tone to the song. And, and so we want to highlight three things this morning. And, and here's what they are from each verse that we'll sing. First, um, we'll, we'll highlight this, uh, that, that we see a ransom from captivity. And, and we also see a freedom from Satan's tyranny. And we, then we'll see a stop to the path of misery. 
So I, w- I want to look at very briefly those three themes this morning to help shape and inform our worship of Jesus. Right. So, so first, uh, first, the, the coming of Dr- Jesus brings a ransom from captivity. O, o come, O come, Emmanuel. In, in the first verse of the song, O come, O, o come, it's a plea to Emmanuel, the one who is God with us. And, and then the next two lines give us the reason for that plea. Do, do you see that? Be, because Israel, God's people, God's people are held captive. And because they have been exiled away from their land, the land that God gave them. And so they're saying, come and, and release us. These are events that happened. These are events that happened in the second book of the Bible. We see God's people were taken captive by Pharaoh, the king in Egypt. And from that point on, from that point on, they have been in and out of captivity under the rule of pagan kings and leaders. So, so these are things that happens. Then, happen. then we get to the book of Ezra and, and Nehemiah and, and all of the prophets thereafter, and we see that the people are exiled. They're into to lands that, that are not their own. They're taken from their land, the land that God promised them, and put into lands not their own, in, not, not their own homes, scattered into lands not their own. And that brings what? That brings sadness. That brings frustration. That brings loneliness. That's why the line in the song reads, that mourns in lonely exile here. Captivity and exile bring mourning, and so the plea is, come, come, come and do what? If someone is enslaved, what do they need? What do they need? They, they need to be released. They need freedom. They want freedom, but the only way to get freedom is if there is a ransom, Right? If there's some way to be released, if there is a ransom, a price that is paid for their freedom. Now you all get the idea of ransom, right? You've seen enough Mel Gibson and Liam Neeson movies to know the idea of ransom, right? So, so you understand that. Uh, uh, someone has been taken captive and a price must be paid for their release from captivity. And so the writer of the hymn, of this hymn is using this as a picture of who we are now, longing for the ransom from our slavery. And to what are we enslaved? Sin, right? Paul talks about this throughout the letters to the churches in the New Testament, that we are enslaved to sin, that we are held captive to our sin. Ephesians 2 talks about this former way of life before Jesus. We were once dead in sin. We once walked in sin. We once lived in the passions of our flesh. We once carried out the desires of the body and the mind. We were once children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's who we were. That's who we were. We were slaves to that way of life. And so what do we desperately need? What do we desperately, we need someone to come and ransom us. And that someone is Jesus, Emmanuel, the one who is with us. Jesus himself says in Mark chapter 10, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The very reason that Jesus came to be with us, the very reason Jesus came was to give his life as a ransom. He is the perfect ransom, ransom for for our captivity from sin. No longer are we slaves. No longer are we exiled to a place not our own. Why? Because the Son of God appeared. Because the Son of God appeared, yes, and He will uh, appear again. Remember for us, our our celebration of Advent is about Jesus' first coming, absolutely, uh, and an expectant waiting of His second coming. 
When the Son of God appears, we will no longer be mourning exiles, slaves in need of a release. And what does the chorus after verse 1 proclaim? Rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. We rejoice that Emmanuel, God with us, did come and is coming again. He, he is. And the song continues getting yet another, giving yet another name to Jesus. O come, O come, thou rod of Jesse. Now that name comes from, that's probably a really strange name if you don't know the ins and outs of the prophecy of Isaiah 11. And why would you? So let me talk through what those are. In Isaiah 11, there's this prophecy after hearing of God's judgment on the people. Isaiah prophesies that the cut down stump of Jesse will become a branch, will become a shoot, will become a, as the song says, a rod, and this branch will bear fruit. Jesse is the father of David and the savior who is to come. Do you see how that line works? That Jesse is the father of David and we're promised a king that comes from the line of David and that, that king is Jesus. That savior is Jesus coming in the family line of David. But this king who is coming will reign forever. And so the plea in verse 2 of this song, O come, O come, branch of Jesse, offspring of Jesse, rod of Jesse, come. And why would we plead for that branch of Jesse to come? Because of the next line in the song. Free thine own from Satan's tyranny. Free your people from the tyrannical rule of Satan. Throughout the New Testament, we see Satan called several things. He's called the ruler of this world, John chapter 12, verse 31. He's called the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. He's called the god of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Satan's dominion is this world. And the next line of the song is pleading for freedom from the depths of hell or from the, the very throes of death. Satan is the prince of the power of the air and his desire is that we would choose to be dead in sin, not alive to Christ. That, that would be his choice, that we would, we would choose to be dead in sin and not alive with Christ. And while it may be true that Satan is the ruler of this world and its evil ways, we know the one who comes from the branch of Jesse, the offspring of Jesse through the lineage of David, the very king who will reign forever. That's Jesus. He is the one who gives us victory over sin. Satan's powerful grip and the ultimate curse of death has been, has been conquered. The eternal king has come to give us, as the song says, to give us victory over the grave because, because he's had victory over the grave. Because he has conquered the grave. Jesus came to earth, lived a perfect life, died the death we deserve, and then conquered the grave. He, he, he rose from the dead. He defeated sin and death. Jesus Christ is victorious. And Paul tells us what, what God has done through the coming of his son to defeat the tyrannical rule of Satan. In, in Colossians chapter 1, we're told this that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We are not of Satan's kingdom. 
Those who are followers of Jesus have been transferred from Satan's domain into the, the kingdom, the reign of his son, the one who came as the rod of Jesse. It's in that Jesus that we have redemption. It's in that Jesus that we have forgiveness of sins. And so what is our response? Rejoice. Rejoice. Emmanuel shall come. Rejoice. And so the coming of Jesus brings ransom from captivity. The coming of Jesus frees us from Satan's tyranny. And then finally this morning in this song, we see that the coming of Jesus stops the path of misery. Throughout this entire somber song, we are reminded of the darkness of our state. And how the coming of Emmanuel, the coming of Jesus, answers the question of our darkness. It answers the problem to the question of, of our darkness. And here in, in the final verses that, that we'll sing this morning, we finally see some glimmers of hope, right? The plea is, is still there, O come, O come. It's still there, the plea's there, O come, O come. But this, this time, what? King of David. It's been proclaimed, King of David come, again, a reference to Jesus. He is the eternal King in the line of David, the ruling and reigning Messiah to come is Jesus, King Jesus. And so over and over and over again in the song is this pleading of the coming of the Messiah in the midst of darkness. Come, come, come. And on this side of the first coming of Jesus as a baby, as a human, as a man, and on this side of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, the one who is Emmanuel, we still cry, come. Don't we? Why? Why why would we still cry, come, Lord Jesus? Why? Because this world is still broken, right? This world is still greatly affected by the curse of sin, by the sting of death. We, we absolutely feel that, right? Just think, think about your week. Maybe if you're like me, just think about your morning. You woke up this morning and how'd that go, right? Since you've been awake, since you've had your week, your, your month, you, you still feel the effects of sin, right? The sin of others around you. you. You feel that. You feel the gloom. You feel the darkness. You feel the painful effects of sin. You, you feel it deeply. We feel that. We feel that deeply. And, and yes, in a celebration, in, in a season of celebration like Christmas, like Advent, we still feel the effects of sin. We still experience tragedies. We, we experience them on national, on, on national scales like we've seen recently in Paris and, and then even more recently in California. And we still experience tragedies that are not just national and international, but closer to home with sickness. We still feel the effects of sin with conflict in relationships. We still feel the effects of sin with problems in our workplace, with issues in our homes. We experience the burden of our own fight against temptation. We, we still feel the effects of our own fights against addictions and the shame and the guilt that we apply to those things. Yes, we're in a season of celebration, but we still feel the burden of those sinful choices that we've made 10 years ago. We, we feel that. 
We, ex- we, we experience the pain and the consequences of years of failed attempts of trying to get our act together. We feel it deeply. Even this morning we feel that, right? The song is a great reminder of the mournful state of our lives. And yet, what is the plea in these last verses of this song? The plea is a threefold, very biblical plea. And it's this, open wide your heavenly home. Make safe the path that leads us there. All of that then culminating in the victory of Jesus' second coming. Close the path of misery. Isn't that our hope? Close that path of of misery. Come, come, King of David, come, King Jesus, come, come and close the path of misery. Won't you come and finish what you've started? Won't you come and close up that path? Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8 that all of creation has been groaning and we join into that groaning, don't we? Waiting for the, in, in great expectation of the hope of redemption when Jesus returns. Come, come, Emmanuel, close up this path of mystery. Please close it up. The, the song is a great reminder, uh, one reminder after another after another of the darkness of this world. I don't know if you've noticed that before, but this song is actually really gloomy. And it gives us still, though, a great expectation and anticipation of Jesus' return. It's a song where our plea is come, come, come over and over and over again. Come. And here's the thing we can't miss. Here's the thing we can't miss. As we sing this song, here's what we can't miss. We're singing about Emmanuel, the one who did come. We're singing about the one who did come. He came to earth. He humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death. He came, became obedient to the constraints of humanity. He came as a baby. He, he knew what it was like to be a four-year-old. He knew what it was like to be a 14-year-old. He knew what it was like to be a 23-year-old. He came to this earth and he experienced the trials firsthand. He experienced that. He humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death. We have a great high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses because he has come. He's come. He has been here. He has been tempted in every way, yet without sin. He knows because he's God with us. He did come, and so we plead, come again, come. And do you know what? Here's what we can't miss. He's asking the same of us. Come. Come to me. And so, so let's wrap our brains uh, around this if we can. We're pleading with Jesus, come. We're, we're pleading with the, the only Son of God, come. We're pleading with the promised prophesied one, the branch of Jesse, come. We're pleading with the promised King David, uh, King of David, come. And, and this King, this promised one, this Son of God who is God is also pleading with us, come. In the darkness of our sin, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us and pleads with us, come to me. He he wants us to come to him. He wants to be near us. I I can't even fathom, I can't even even, uh, imagine why he would want that, but he does. He, He wants us to be near him. Over and over and over in the gospel accounts, when Jesus interacts with people, his call on them is what? come 
Come and follow me. Come and follow me. And the one stipulation that he gives often in this request to follow him is this. Let go of yourself. Deny yourself. Let go of the idea that you're king. Let go of the, uh, the mentality that you are the center. Let go of that. Deny that and come. Come and follow me. So I don't know if we can get our, our heads around this. But we have a king who is asking us to be near him. The celebration of Advent, the celebration of the coming, can also be a reminder to us that we have been called to come. That, that we've been called to come to him. Have you thought about that in, in, in our Christmas celebrations? That we have a coming king, but, but that we're also called by him to come. We're called to come to Him. It could be a reminder to us to turn from our ways and and to turn to Him. The the coming of Christ at Christmas could also be a reminder to us that we are to turn from our sin, to repent of our sin, and turn, come, follow Jesus. And and we talked about this last week, uh, but do you remember Jesus' promise? It is a life of turning from sin and turning to Jesus a, a burden. I didn't say, I, I didn't say is it easy, but, but is it a weighty burden? What, what does Jesus promise? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says what? Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden with what? with the sins of our own uh, lives and and the the effects of sin around us. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is calling us to come to Him. And and in coming to Jesus, we find rest, right? We Following, learning from Jesus is a life of rest, not burden. Catch this, the King of all creation... The king of all creation is coming to us and he's calling us to come to him and find rest in him. And so we plead with him, close this path of misery. We we plead with him, close this path of misery. And what does he say? Okay, I will. But in the meantime, come to me. Come to me and rest. And what is our only response to that? Rejoice. Rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Rejoice. That's what this season is about. A rejoicing that we have a king who's coming and is calling us to come to him. Let me pray and we'll continue to rejoice. Let's pray. Father, we come this morning knowing that you are are a God who had a plan. And your plan was to send your son Jesus, born of a baby, or born as a baby, born of a woman. Your plan was to send your son, Jesus, Emmanuel, to be God with us. He came. And he's coming again. And as we uh, await his second coming, as we wait for uh, his, his coming again, we respond to his call on our lives. And that is to come to Him. And so God, where we are weak, where we are uh, faithless, 
where we have struggles in, in coming to Him, I pray that You would show us where those things are so that we can turn. God, I pray that this would be a season for us of, of turning, a season of us of, of coming to Him, coming to Jesus. God, would You help us in, in that? God, so often my mind in this season is, is rushed with all kinds of thoughts and all kinds of things that need to be done and all kinds of, of, of just trite Christmassy kinds of things. But Father, my prayer for myself, my, my prayer for our friends here this morning is that we would celebrate the fact that Jesus did come. That you, you called it. You said He was coming. You, you planned His coming. It, it was prophesied by, by Isaiah and so many others that He was coming and He did. And His call to us is come, follow me. And so I pray that this would be a season for us of great rejoicing that we have a King who's calling us to be near Him, calling us to be familiar with Him. Would You work in us to draw us near, to shape and inform our desires and our loves to be centered on Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen.